Welcome to episode 17 of the Small Talk Podcast with the Smallgan Real Estate Team. Today we're here with Jeremy Underwood uh, with Farm Bureau Insurance. Jeremy, um, we'd like to start off with a review of um, somebody that worked with you in the past to show our listeners um, what real people have to say about you. So um, this this review is from Alexis. So uh, it says, uh, responsive and thorough with their work. Anytime I've sought out information about claims, coverage, rates, or adding or making changes to my policy, they've been a huge help. So it sounds like they were talking about your team, but um, how, tell me about that. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not that you have too many Alexis customers, so I know exactly who you're talking about. Sure. Um, and they, they've been friends for a while, but also to beyond that, just dealing with their situation, they had special circumstances that we were able to kind of coach them through, right? Uh, and that doesn't always happen in every situation, but because of their circumstances, we, we actually helped them with part of their insurance, but left the rest of their insurance with where they're at for a few years, uh, just because that was the best situation for them at that time. Um, and when it was right, they switched everything over to our office, and uh, I've got a great team, right, to help take care of them. So they've been great customers, and uh, you always love when you get a review Right, like that. For is, sure, yeah. Our people take the time to do it. Huge on reviews, right? Oh, for sure. Um, we know that people will go online and Google you as soon as they, you know, have a chance, right? You, like, society. hey, I'm Mike Smalligan. You walk away, and they're on their phones looking you up. Like, hey, who's this guy? <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, and maybe that doesn't happen, but that's just what I think. So, su- reviews are super important to my yeah, business. Yeah, so, um, how did you decide uh, insurance was the right business for you? Ah, just like everybody, ten years old. Is that a football? No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, insurance isn't anything that I thought at all that I would get into. Um, my background, I went to school to teach. I was going to come out. My goal was to teach math, science, be a gym teacher. That was my major. And it was in the early, mid-2000s when I graduated. And there just weren't a lot of openings, right? So my wife and I were part of a great mentorship team, uh, doing the network marketing business at the same time. Okay. Which was phenomenal, right? But there reached a point after substitute teaching for several years that I thought, I need to do something different, something else um, that can just provide a little bit more for my wife and our family. And a good friend of mine said, hey, I know an insurance agent. She's new, but she's looking to hire right now. Sure. You'd be good at sales. I'm like, oh, I hate sales. Really? Like, yeah. Who wants to sell stuff? I don't want to be known as a used car salesman, but... Um, I was open to the opportunity. I thought, you know, I like working with people. And, uh, yeah, so I got introduced to her and sat down with her. Ended up, that was with State Farm initially. I'm, you know, obviously with Farm Bureau now, but um, with State Farm initially working for her. And that was a, how I got introduced into insurance, I guess. Okay. So um, you mentioned teaching. I've actually grown a, I've always had a soft spot for teachers because I just know how hard their job is. And, um just hearing from friends and stuff like that. But uh, recently I just um, started coaching Lego robotics at my kid's school. So I got okay. eight fourth graders that um, uh, I'm, I'm responsible to help them through uh, a Lego robotics uh, competition, right? So cool. this Saturday yeah. is actually the culmination of that and we're gonna go to the tournament, but I could never do that job. Um, there, There's eight kids that, you know, are, fourth graders that are hard to stay on task and focus. And I couldn't imagine if there was 30. So yeah, no, classes are bigger now. Yeah. For, for a lot sure. of schools, especially in this, in West Michigan where things are growing. So it's, it's not a easy job at all. I think we all appreciate what teachers do even more now. Yeah. But, um, so, uh, what, what type of insurance do you offer? Just basic or yeah, so we do mostly personal lines insurance, right? So your home auto life insurance, things like that. But then we do have special lines uh, that we'll focus on. So we can do business insurance for anybody. We have a, you know, we work with Farm Bureau directly, but we have a brokerage that we can go out to other carriers. Okay. So we can help people with almost any need as far as business goes. Um, But we have some special products for people that maybe have more land, nice house with a lot of property um, or a small farm. Okay. Right. Farm Bureau, we actually still do farm. Um, Like State Farm doesn't do farm anymore. What? It's just... I don't know. You know Shots it is fired. What it is. Yeah. Sorry, State Farm. I appreciate it. But um, no, so I, Lake Estate 
property. So um, people that have lakefront properties, we have a special niche product for them as well. Okay. But yeah, I think it, it comes back to helping just everyday home, auto, life insurance. That's the basics and necessities of where we go. So, so is there like a favorite type of insurance or like product that you like selling the most? Gosh, um, the one I think that is probably optional for people would be life insurance. Okay. And uh, it relates back to my story getting started. Um, when my wife and I first got married, her mom passed away before we got married. So we were still dating at the time and she didn't have any life insurance. We saw how much of a challenge that was for her dad. She had two younger siblings, I think were seven and 10 oh, at wow. the time. So super young. And um, yes, we saw the difficulty there. Three years later, after my, you know, my wife and I were married at this point, um, he was diagnosed with cancer and they gave him three to six months. He passed away, gosh, probably three, four months after that diagnosis. Thankfully, he had some small life insurance yeah. in place. He got that after his wife had passed. Um, but my wife and I took guardianship of her brother and sister. So they were 14 and 11. We were okay. 23 and 24. And I just the importance, the value of life insurance, I think so many times people overlook it or think, ah, oh, that would never happen to me. But we experienced it firsthand, right? We got to see if you don't have it, what it can do. Sure. Right? And we got to see uh, even just having something, even if it's not a ton. Um, her dad has something. We learned a lot about life insurance, so I love having that conversation with people. Well, you never know, out. right? Like when it's your time and that's only a – thing that you know god can decide and um it's uh it's good that to be prepared right for any situation and make sure your family isn't most uh, of us are going to live longer than our 30s 40s you know 50s but uh it's not for not for everybody so um when do uh like when you're buying a house when should you talk to an insurance agent about insurance yeah, a lot of times you probably have insurance in place either with your current house or maybe a renter's policy. Um, but I, when people start looking at homes and they want to get some prices, we really just need to help once you're in that, hey, we're putting an offer on the house. You know, we're going to close on this. Um, then we have to get those numbers over to the mortgage lender, right? Okay. Um, I think a lot of times there's real estate agents don't connect to the insurance agent upfront initially a lot because people are already insured with somebody typically connection yeah Yeah. but finding somebody that you can work with directly is big and i think you know as far as when you need the quote really when the real estate agent and the lender lender, send them your way i mean you can get an idea right if you're looking at a price range on houses but um generally if you're looking in the same area same value you're going to find similar rates yeah. So I was having a conversation with a client the other day about, is there a different type of insurance that you need for um, your house if you are living in it versus you um, buying a house to rent it out? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So homeowners is assuming that you as the owner of the house are living there, right? So yep. that's a requirement for a general homeowner's policy. Um, if you're going to be buying a house and renting it out and you're not there at all, then you need to get a dwelling policy for there to actually be coverage. Okay. Right. Because nobody wants to get a policy and pay for it thinking that there's coverage. So only to find out that there's not coverage. But yeah. yeah. So let's so, get a separate dwelling policy. So on average, like how much more expensive would um, renters insurance be than um, so like renters or rental? Like, well, like a for, rental policy? if I were to buy a house to rent yeah. it out versus living in it, you know, it really depends on the area. If you're going to be in um, like the city. Okay. You know, rates can be a little bit more, or if you're going to be way out in the suburbs, I gotcha. um, rates can be high because there's not a lot of fire stations, departments, and stuff like that out there. Um, but price is still going to be relatively similar to homeowners, maybe a little bit more because there's not the homeowner there to take care of it, but we're not covering all the contents. Okay. So the, the tenants policy, would be responsible the, yeah, for that. The tenants are going to have to cover that themselves. Yep. Okay. Um, so is there like a situation where you would say it was super interesting in dealing with insurance, like a claim that you had or um, some some crazy story that you got? Yeah. No, I think yeah, insurance, we get stories all the time, right? Yeah. As far as stuff that happens. My wife comes home. I come home and she's usually like, oh, what happened today at work? And it's just every day there's a story. I think last week, just over the weekend, we probably had seven people that hit deer. 
Oh right? man, I seen one the other a lot day. Of claim. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of those. Luckily, he stayed on the side of the road. I think even with just most recently, I had a gentleman that you know LSU fan, great guy. He's from Louisiana, but he has a summer home up here because his kids are out in Chicago, and so their first year with us, there's no opportunity here for me to to try to help them with other insurance. They've got everything they need down yep. in Louisiana. So it's just just a home. That's all you're insuring, right? So we insure his house, and the first winter that they're gone, uh, a pipe broke. And so they were gone. They didn't come back for a long time. It was a city, main city line that was going into the house. So water was just flooding into the basement the whole time. No one gone. was there. No one was there. I wonder why the city doesn't say something when the meter is just going off. Anyways, uh, he came back to the house, and the water had completely filled the basement. Like, I would think it's like a movie when you think about it, but the water had completely filled the basement and was on the main level and was going out the doors before they figured it out. Um, so that one alone, they had the policy with us for six months, right? Yeah. Didn't even have it for a year yet. Um, we had to redo the whole entire basement, all the contents down there. Uh, we had to do all the duct work because clear that out, and the kitchen cabinets have soaked up water. Um yeah, one claim was probably close to $200,000 wow. by the time things were finished and settled. And, you know, a lot of times you think, why do I have insurance? That that person paid one-year premium with us, and it'll take us 200 more policies to make up that one claim probably. Wow. <laughs> so. Yeah. So I actually have an um, interesting insurance story personal for you. Okay, not um, through business. That my wife personal. likes to uh, embarrass me about. So if I put it on a podcast, it, she can't embarrass me about it anymore, <laughs> right? So um, 2007, uh, I bought my first brand new car. It was uh, when I was still working in the wireless industry, and it was a Chrysler Sebring. And we, we bought it in September. And then the first week in October, we were actually um, going to visit our... Uh, her sister in Mount Pleasant at the casino, right? Yep. Um, we go up there, we spend some time, didn't drink or anything like that. Come back, it's now four in the morning and uh, pitch black, right? Coming down M46 and um, there's no lights, lights or, no or lights. anything, right? Yeah. And there's nobody else on the road at this time. And uh, it's foggy, it's pitch black and we're going up over a hill and back down the hill and there's a cow standing in the middle of the road. I hit this cow going <laughs> 60 plus miles an hour. And oh. uh, the farmer came out where we're, well, actually what happened first is um, we hit the cow and then my wife woke up cause she was sleeping and she's like, what did we hit? And I'm like, we hit a cow. <laughs> um, and that might've been the first time I've swore on a podcast, but that's what I said. So it's quote. Um, it was quotes. Yeah, that so that doesn't count. But um, she was like, "Well, where is this cow?" And it wasn't in front of us anymore. Um, so we got out the car, and then as soon as we got out the car, we realized all the lights on the car now are out um, because the battery was disconnected. We're sitting in the middle of the highway, and then we realized there's another car coming. So they weren't gonna see us. And luckily, they seen the car just in time and, like, screeched and turned sideways and almost hit our car. Um, and then... Um, but no one was hurt. No one was honestly. hurt. Honestly, that's always So good. we ran into the field, and, like, the driver of that other car, like, was like, what are you doing in the middle of the road? And we had no choice, right? Like, the whole front of the car was destroyed. And then once that car kind of got out of the way, we realized the cow was about 100 yards in front of us like on the side of the road. So he must've went airborne. Um, it's a long way. Yeah. And then the farmer came, then someone else stopped and they turned their lights on. So we were safe or, um, but then the farmer came out and we waited and ended up being, um, we made one car payment maybe. Um, I don't know if we even made that, uh, but the farmer came out and he was like just a little too nonchalant about it. Look, looks like another one of my cows got out. My wife like lit into him and uh, we, he dragged that cow off the side of the highway with a rope, just hooked it on and just drug it into the field. And um, so we took that car into the place where we bought it from and was like, hey, we need to figure this out. Yeah. We thought it was totaled. All right. It's a $25,000 car at that time. And uh, they looked at it. The original estimate was like $13,000. Then they got a little deeper into it. Then it was $17,000. A little 
then then it was like $28,000 and they still fixed it. So, um, because it was so new and they were already into it. So if you've already started doing the repairs at that point now, if they total, they've already had to pay the repair shop. Yeah. So, so yeah, that was interesting. And, um, I really don't have any non-interesting insurance claim stories. The other time, uh, have you ever caused any insurance claims yourself? Kind of, um, actually twice. (laughs) Um, Probably water. One, one I'll count for myself as being, uh, it was slippery and I actually was turning a corner um, in my neighborhood and it was, there was leaves, not snow. I slipped on leaves and slid into my in-laws tree. So a block away from my house, I slid into their tree and then um, that was, that was my fault. Um, The other time, my wife's brand new car, I was pulling the boat back from getting fixed. We had this little speed boat. Um, that's, I think every boat ends up costing you money every summer, you know, but right. I was bringing it back from getting a seat repaired and it popped off the trailer and uh, ran into the back of my wife's car. So that was a one month old uh, car that ended uh, up getting a boat through the back. So you know, it usually have, I think people buy their first house um, now after being in the industry for 10 years, I encourage them to get a lower deductible. I think that that first year that you have a house, the first year you have a car, it seems like that's when you're most likely to have a claim. Yeah. Right? We um, bought a new house four years ago, and I was redoing the floor in one of the bathrooms. And so I took the floor out, had to take the toilet out. You know, I think that I can do these things on my own. Yeah. I'm not real handy, but I like to try. Mm-hmm. Take the toilet out, unhook the water, made sure I turned it off so I'm good there. Put the new floor down, put the new shutoff valve on, Go downstairs, turn it, turn the water on. I'm like, oh, okay, I got a little drip. Maybe I should tighten it. So I tighten the shutoff valve a little bit more. Now I get a little bit more of a drip. Probably tighten it too much. Most people listening right now would say, hey, you better go turn off the main water. But yeah. I didn't do that. I just loosened it, not even a millimeter, and the shutoff valve shot into the air. And all of a sudden I have water just straight up in the nice. bathroom, just drenching everything. It was probably one in the morning, so I was trying to finish the project. So I went running downstairs. I was on the second level. So you're running downstairs in the basement to turn the water off. I came back up to the main level, and water is just coming through the lights on the main level onto our new couch that we bought, yelling for my wife, like, you know, you're quick. Wow. So, uh, yeah, you know, I think we all have those. Insurance covers stupid, too, yeah. right, when you do something stupid like that. Um, it can still cover it. But, no, in that situation, we actually didn't even file a claim. So we try to dry it up as much as we could. Um, I have some good friends over at, I go to a uh, church with a guy that works for John Grace Restoration. Okay, yeah. And so they I do. See their trucks. Yeah. They do mitigation work for water losses, fire losses, claims, things like that. And he actually let me use some of their drying equipment. Um, and there's a lot of ways where you can fix some of these things without filing a claim. Not to yeah. say don't file a claim, right? Um, but it was great. He was able to come do that. We had somebody just patch up the drywall quick and we got out of there with, 150, 200 bucks could have been could have been really bad. Could have had a water full of basement yes. or basement full of water. Yeah, right. would have been bad. So, has uh, the shifting real estate market like affected your business at all? I think for sure because insurance you're talking about replacing your house if you have that bad day, right? Yeah. So if there's a a tornado storm or a firestorm, values of yeah real estate, you know, I think of the value of rebuilding your house. Well, I mean, we've seen the real estate values go up. Ton, you probably know the numbers on that a lot better than I do. Yeah, but the same thing for the cost to rebuild. Yeah, we twenty percent inflation. Yeah. year over year, like our appreciation, which we should call it, right? Yeah, but, it's, it's growing um, in value. Yeah, we usually increase. Like, every insurance company will increase the rates for coverage on your house yeah. every renewal, but it's like two, three percent typically. The last couple of years, we've been increasing them 12 percent because if something happens, there's no way we're going to be able to rebuild that. 1500 square foot ranch for the same price we could when we started the policy four years ago plywood going up like yeah this is a probably a good reminder to reach out and uh, talk to your insurance agent about sure we try um, to do it every year with customers or at least offer it but yeah now would be a great time just to review what you have and make sure you're comfortable with the coverage you have so i've been hearing about this like michigan auto insurance reform for a while what does that mean yeah so i mean michigan's had the same auto had the same auto insurance for almost 50 years. Um, and we're the only state to have unlimited medical coverage. 
So if you're injured in an accident, right, all your medical bills are covered by the auto insurance. And it's been that way, well, it was until 2019 when that Michigan auto reform passed. Um, We're the only state to do that. Unlimited lifetime medical coverage. Wow. And uh, you could probably look online a little bit. You know, in in our office, Michael, his mom was actually went through this last year. Uh, So it was June of 21. She was hit by a drunk driver head on. And she was in a coma for 60 days. She was in ICU for over 100 days. And she's recovering now. She's doing so much better. But her medical bills over the last 18 months have topped $5 million. Wow. So, and you can reach out to Michael. You can, you know, I think Jana Strong or something is the hashtag. I don't use I've hashtags. I've seen that, yeah. And it's, it's been incredible. But the Michigan auto insurance paid for all of that. So every penny, they haven't had to pay a penny out of pocket. But auto reform has come in, and it's given people the option to opt out of that. So that's probably the biggest piece. There's a lot of different parts to the auto reform. I think the biggest piece is that people can opt out of that unlimited coverage and save a little bit on their auto insurance. And again, it's one of those things where I try to just review with customers to make sure they understand what what the potential is. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, because you can opt out of it, and your health insurance will start kicking in and covering some of those things. But um, there's some things that that Michigan auto medical coverage, personal injury coverage is what it is, is phenomenal than what it'll cover. So yeah, there's some moving parts and changes. It, it lowered the rates down. If you remember, we all got that $400 check. Oh, that was a big topic actually in Grand Rapids informed. Like, was it? To get your check yet. Yeah. And um, yeah, that was, that was a talking point for uh, quite a while. I have a feeling our rates are going to go up a little bit, not because of that, but we kind of emptied out that fund. Um, and then Michigan repealed part of the the law that went into place in 2019 for people that were injured before that. Okay. So anyways, not to get too insurance nerdy on you, but uh, yeah, I think ultimately we'll start to see those come back because they emptied out that fund that was paying for all those people that were seriously injured, brain injuries, paralysis. Um, They kind of emptied that out a little bit too much. And now we have to continue to pay for the higher costs on that. Uh, So we'll see that go up. Just, I don't know, I'll say that kind of like everything right now, but inflation's making everything go up. Sounds like pretty normal for insurance, right? You don't know what things are going to cost, and that's why you have insurance in the beginning. When you talk about, like, the car accident that you had um, hitting the animal, right? Like, hitting the cow, which is just crazy. But $28,000 in damage. Now we have people crack a bumper, hit a, you know, get a broken windshield. I just had a windshield claim that was $1,700 for a new windshield. They have to calibrate it. They have to do all the sensors inside of the windshields it's not your normal two hundred dollar windshield anymore so i mean ultimately the insurance company is what they're they're paying for those claims for customers and if the cost of the claims go up it just it trickles down to the rates yeah yeah it's it's there when you need it though (laughs) you you never know right that's why they call them accidents or um unexpected claims or whatever it is you know it's uh that they don't call them accidents because you do it on purpose right it's one of my favorite lines yeah. So um, have you always been at Farm Bureaus? You said you were with State Farm. I started with State right? Farm. Yeah, so I started with State Farm. Um, my first agent, she was great. Um, she just didn't think I was working out for sale. I couldn't sell enough for her, uh, which is probably true at the okay. time when I first started off, right? Uh, so she actually referred me to another State Farm guy. He's since retired, Bob Vister. Uh, he was a phenomenal agent to learn from. Okay. And he'd been around for 35 years. So I got to see what an established agent was like. And after working with him for three or four years, I thought, kind of like you with the wireless store that yeah. you were telling me about earlier, right? I think I could do this on my own, yeah. right? So we had some conversations. I went through that process and kind of through some God experiences, um, an opportunity to open up with the Farm Bureau. And I interviewed with them to open, to open up my own agency. And I think it was from the time we first talked to me opening up the agency, it was six weeks. So it was, wow. it was quick. I was ready. Um, and interview went great. So that was 2015. Sounds like about the time that you went on your own. Yeah. Here. That's awesome. Similar timetable. So in, in, did you grow up in Grand Rapids or why did you choose Grand Rapids to do your, yeah. or Granville to do your business? I've been in West Michigan, uh, my whole life, right? Grew up in Kentwood, um, lived in Granville, lived in Jenison, lived in Hudsonville. My parents like to move around. They'd be great customers for real estate. There agents. we go. I need to meet them. <laughs> you do. Um, but no, they, they moved around a lot. So I went to Hudsonville from third grade on. 
Okay. And just grew up in West Michigan, was here my whole life. Uh, went to church downtown, East Town growing up. My dad was a pastor of a church downtown. Which church? Uh, Southside Vineyard. So it's not okay. around anymore, but it was, um, gosh, late 80s, I guess, when he planted the church because I was like six years old or something. All right. But, yeah, so I got a chance to experience West Michigan, the suburbs, right, and experience East Town, Grand Rapids, downtown Grand Rapids, and get to see more culture. I loved it. It just gives you a chance to see the – I don't want to say that Grand Rapids is incredibly diverse. Man, it does have so much to offer. Yeah. So I love Grand Rapids. I went to college here at Cornerstone. That's where I met my wife. Nice. Um, She's not a West Sider. No. She is now. All right. Yeah, my – where did she grow up? She grew up in Grass Lake, small little town, Never class of like it. 50-something people. That's in Michigan? Yeah. 30, wow. 30 minutes from Ann Arbor. Okay. so We love Ann Arbor. Yeah. yeah. Go blue? Go blue. There you go. go blue. <laughs> um, so um, you've lived in different areas. Is there like a favorite area? I, I would assume it's Hudsonville, or is there another area in Grand Rapids that you really like? Um, we love Hudsonville, Allendale area. So when we took in her brother and sister, we looked for a small school because they came from super small school when they lived with their sure. dad, right? So we ended up uh, settling on Allendale, and that's where we bought our first house and uh, lived there for 12 years. Just recently, a few years back, uh, bought a house in Hudsonville again. Uh, but that area just, it fits well. Our family's all there. Um, we stay close. And the west side, west of Grand Rapids, I guess you'd say, just yeah. west of Grand Rapids. But no, yeah, it's a good area. It's, I think we'll stay there for a while. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so what would you say to somebody like thinking about moving to this area? Like how would you describe it to other people? Yeah, I went to Chicago this weekend and realized that I'm not a big city person anymore. I used to like going to the big city a little bit just to visit. Yeah. You know, I kind of like West Michigan. Uh, I think West Michigan is fantastic. It's a great place to have a family, right? And now with the city growing and all the money that's been put back into the city of Grand Rapids, there's actually stuff to do right downtown so you can have fun you can have the city life on a small scale but you can also have phenomenal place to grow family and have a family so So what are the some of the things you like to do in grand rapids oh i for me i love eating out so we were talking about restaurants earlier but i i would love to go out anytime just get my wife to come out she's not as much a fan of eating out whatever but hey sure anytime we get a chance to eat out i think grand rapids has some great restaurants to do um, the shows at Van Andel and DeVos, I think that offers a lot of potential Griffins, Whitecaps. Oh, we love the Griffins. Sports kind of stuff more so than concerts or whatever. But, okay. Um, yeah, we enjoy that. Otherwise, we're doing a lot of stuff with family, friends, church that we're plugged into. We just do a lot. It's always them. something to do. Yeah. What's your uh, number one go-to restaurant in Grand Rapids? Ooh, go-to. Um, we were just talking about probably – Top of the list right now as far as food experience was Bodie's. Okay. Right? Uh, we actually went to the one in Saugatuck, so a little bit different than the one in EGR, but same restaurant. That was phenomenal. Um, and I've enjoyed just if I'm going for, like, a afternoon, sit down with client, friend, whatever, yeah. Rockwell or Public. Okay. Know, have you been down there? Not for a while. That's okay. – uh, I, I remember going uh, there, like, when my, my wife and I first started uh, – Dating and maybe maybe for a couple of her birthdays, but I, don't, I can't say that we've been there in the like the last ten years. So we went for my birthday one year with my wife and parents, okay. they took us out. <clears throat> it's really funny because I hadn't had sushi too much, but I enjoy sushi now. I didn't know that I liked it that much, but uh, first time really having it, and they they serve it on plate. I'm like, sweet, sounds good. I'm not a big drinker, but my mom got a pitcher of sangria, and um, so I'll, I'll try a little bit. So I'm going to have the first piece of sushi and i love guacamole like guacamole is fantastic my wife's favorite yeah Yeah. so look at my plate got a guacamole i don't think they gave me enough so i put it on the sushi roll it wasn't guacamole though oh wasabi yeah oh my mouth was so on fire i swear i felt like a cartoon right you could see like the steam coming out so i took a whole glass of sangria drank that down pour some more in uh it was my first sushi experience but it was good i have gone back so i still like not the guac no it's not the guacamole it's wasabi (laughs) that's funny oh man um so how does like uh hudsonville jenison area compare to grand rapids yeah differences i think hudsonville is going to be a little bit hudsonville jenison that area is going to be a little bit slower pace 
um, and really family oriented, right? You get a little bit more Dutch culture, I guess, because we're closer to Holland yep. than Grand Rapids. I'm probably the shortest person in Hudsonville. No, I'm just kidding. But you might you be the Dutch people. <laughs> you get the Dutch people; they're a lot taller. Uh, and I think Grand Rapids provides a little bit more culture on a small scale, right? Which I think is cool. I mean, I don't know if you like East Town or you've been down that way, but actually, I was born in East Town. So oh, in the right. '80s, when you said that church, um, that's where I grew up. I, yeah, we I, were right next to the intersection bar. Um, so we, we weren't quite that far. We were actually on Lake Drive um, across the street from, uh, it, it's called, it was called Gibson's now. I don't know, even know what it's called, but it's been a bunch of different places yeah. on, on Lake Drive. I think Grand Rapids has that, right? I think it just has a little taste of city life, but it's not big city and you always feel safe, which is awesome Yeah, in Grand Rapids. So no, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's just, it's similar. It's just gonna be more family okay. oriented, a little slower pace when you get out to the suburbs a little bit, I guess. So you used to not be able to drink on Sundays in, in Hudsonville. Is that still the case? I, I don't think so. I mean, personally, okay. I don't drink a lot, but I'm pretty sure. No, you can. I know you can. Okay. We just took my uh, son and they played flag football All right. in Granville. And so me and a couple of buddies were coaching. And hey, last game we should go to Vitalis. We went to Vitalis in Hudsonville, and one of the other parents we're like buying pizza for the team. Sure. One of the parents is like, "Hey, I'll buy you a beer on me." Okay. And I was fine. I didn't take one, but hey, they do. So yeah, they, it, it might have been like maybe five, six years ago that I, I remember that. But. I know it was that way at least when I grew up. And there's a lot of things closed on Sunday in Hudsonville too. Sure. Just changed. So you mentioned earlier you went to Cornerstone. Is that the only college you went to? or? Yep, just did my bachelor's there. Okay. And then stopped. So I heard rumblings that you were in the like sports hall of fame. Like, What, what is that for? <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, I ran track there. Right. Um, had a good career, but, I mean, who really pays attention to track and field too much? Um, no, had a great couple years there. Uh, I think I still have some school records. No, I, I have a few school records that are still there. Had one broken last year by a kid actually called him up said hey congratulations uh just fun to be part yeah. of that but um no i had a couple all-american relay teams that i was a part of which event Good team so in the in the all-american the relays were four by one and four by four okay and um cool s- stories are my freshman year and they had <laughs> highly recruited me that's funny for a small christian school right it was just a couple guys on the team really wanted me to come. And so we were <clears throat> trying to qualify for nationals. And I had two fifth-year seniors and a junior and myself on the relay team. And so we hadn't qualified yet. We ran our conference meet. And then the next day, it was the last chance to qualify. So we ran our meet. I did six, six events at that. And then we went to Eastern Michigan. It was our last chance to qualify. We signed up for the race. We drove from I think it was Indiana where we had our conference meet. Stayed the night, drove up to Ypsilanti to run the race, and we qualified, like, just barely. So we were the last team to qualify for nationals. All right. We get to nationals, and uh, if you win your heat, you basically go to finals, and you're going to be All-American. We're last, and we had the second-fastest team in in the country in our race. And I started off, um, I was the lead on the relay team, got us a little bit of a, a lead, Second guy held on to the lead. Third guy, who's a fantastic coach at Grand Valley now, um, got the baton. And I remember he was coming right in front of me after I handed it off, you know. And so here comes the other team just hunting him down. Like, I mean, he was fast, but they were faster, right? So they're hunting him down. And all of a sudden, the guy in second place right behind him steps on the inside of the lane, and they have these rounded cones. So he slipped, tripped, and tripped everybody behind him. So we literally just coasted in just don't drop the baton and uh, we ended up getting we won that heat so then we got to the finals and got all american so from a team that didn't even know if they're going to make it to nationals made it the last day last minute to be an all-american it was it was a fun experience underdog story yeah. so you mentioned earlier you're short um yeah so is that an advantage or a disadvantage in track and field mm. you know i did uh sprints and then long jump and triple jump and in sprints i mean Usually I was one of the shortest, if not the shortest guy in the races. But on indoor track, um, especially back when I ran, we had 200-meter tracks. I think Grand Valley has a oversized track now. 
but those corners can get really tight when you're sprinting. So I think being shorter actually helped me indoor quite a bit because you're going around those corners, right? Yeah, for sure. Those tall guys like you just... I Keep didn't even try. Outside. I, yeah, not, never did any sports in, uh, in high yeah. school or anything like that. No, I, my my wife was a runner too. She got inducted the same year I did into the, uh, what I think they call it, the Hall of Honor. Is that and how you met? That is how we met. Yep. Okay, that's awesome. Met on the track team. And uh, yeah, she actually is still a runner. I don't run anymore. Hung it up. What are you going to do with sprinting, right? When you're in your 30s and 40s, it's just... Sure, it's tough on the knees. There's not much to do. Yeah, so she still runs. She actually runs like half marathons, marathons. That's that's her thing. Yeah, we so. got a we got a guy on the team that does like triathlons and stuff like that. So A lot of respect for um, those guys. Yeah. It takes a lot of time and discipline to do. And I know his wife runs too, Kurt, Kurt and uh, Kurt Lowesnord on our team and Carrie. They okay. both do uh, triathlons and... So they do the whole yeah, they're crazy. sprinting so, or running, biking. Climbing mountains, all of that. So yeah. Um, is there anything that you've like learned in athletics that you took on with you to your uh, career? Yeah. Did you do sports No. at all? No? Not really. Okay. No. I think uh, the competition side of it, right? When you run and track, I played football and basketball, but when you're doing an individual sport, it's just you're running to compete. Right? You're competing against your time, yourself, but you're also competing against the guys there. Uh, I think there's always that um, you can do more to try to get better. And I think that taking that, you know, to be competitive, to go 100% all the time is awesome. And to know that you can push yourself a little bit harder, right? I think that's been huge, not only just in insurance, but in everything that you do. You can always push a little bit harder. You can always do a little bit better. You can always get that next one, get the next goal that you yeah. set. Um, so I think my maybe experience came from video games and I actually did sales kind of at a young age. I started in sales at 16 working in a, a Halloween costume shop. So okay. um, I've really only had sales. I was going to say, were you the elementary kid that bought the big box of candy bars and then brought them to the school and sold them? We, man, I re, that's funny you bring that up. So um, when I was in school, they, they used to have these magazines that you'd bring door to door and get people to order something out of them. And we went all day, my brothers and I, so I have two brothers that are pretty close to my same age. And... Uh, we went door to door to get this like boombox stereo system. That you was sell the, enough, you can get it. Yeah, that was like on the top of the list for selling like I don't know, hundred things or something like that. Probably more than that, but We're really um, dating ourselves with boombox stereo. Yeah, it was. I mean, I don't even think I had a CD player. That's when I had to get rid of it. So um, <laughs> that's funny. And uh, it had the detachable speakers. I should have held on to that because that was like kind of the first thing that I like really like worked for, you know, that I remember anyway. But I think that was like fifth or sixth grade. Um, And uh, my mom would tell you that story. So yeah, she's proud of you. Yeah. Nowadays it feels like the kids. That's when I knew he was a salesperson. They get those books or those sales catalogs and they give them to their mom and dad to take to work and just sell all the employees and the kid. I don't know. So are your, um, your wife's runner, are your kids runners? The oldest two do. Yeah, there's a thing called uh, Wyoming Healthy Kids Running Series. Oh. It's really short, but a little shout-out to them. It's a cool event that they put on. The kids just run one race a week, and then they tally up all of their placing or finishes throughout it, and then they can win their medals and whatever. But, uh, yeah, both of the kids, it's fun to watch. Yeah. Just, I don't know. Call it like a, I think running and track – is a little bit of a different breed. Okay. And they all understand each other, right? But um, it's just fun to watch someone compete and go as hard as they can and push their body to the limits there. And watching your kids do it is fun. So they're both pretty good. My, my wife ran track in high school, and uh, my son would probably be really good at it. He likes to do the shot put, but he, he is really fast. He just doesn't uh, – want to do the the whole like track and field type thing but um i think one of my daughters would end up doing it maybe yeah so yeah, you said your daughters are 10 i got 10 year old girls how old yep. are your kids nine eight and then uh, soon to be four and two yeah so i got twin girls that are 10 um one of them is super into sports she'll do softball she's playing hockey right now 
Um, we, they're both the girls are into Lego robotics with me. And then one of them's doing the one that's doing everything is also doing Odyssey of the mind. Um, okay. And then, yeah, I think you said, so robotics, Jenison has a huge robotics program. We'll probably be competing against them. Yeah. So uh, they have their this, own robotics building down the street from my we're office. Jealous. Yeah. So we have a basement at a church. Okay. Um, <laughs> which is fun, but, um, yeah, so the the twin girls, that's what they do. Um, one of them says she wants to do gymnastics, but we haven't found a gymnastics. We've tr- she's tried hockey. She didn't like it. Okay. Um, then my 13-year-old, he plays hockey, and he loves hockey. Um, that's his sport, and he's actually really good at it. And, and he's visually impaired. So, really? Um, legally blind and plays hockey. So the first blind hockey player in Michigan. Does he um, have uh, contact special glasses that he can wear while he's playing to nope. help? So, um, How does he see the puck? The, the, here's the puck. So the puck is actually uh, oh, um, a audible puck. So it ha- they, they're trying out this new beeping puck, but the one he's used for the last few years actually has ball bearings. He has about maybe 10% vision. He'd say more, but it's about 10% vision. So he does have a little bit of vision. That's um, incredible. He's 13? 13, and he's okay. he's a tough kid. So... Um, and then I, I have a, he'll be 21 this, this month, actually. I have a 21 year old that, um, uh, is, uh, kind of finding his way. He's in a computers, into computers and into programming. And okay. he's working for a, uh, company that does like, um, online part sales. So, okay. yeah. The so, rock auto. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't even know the name of the company, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's funny what your kids get into, right? I didn't, I didn't, um, the hockey player, I didn't, I wasn't into hockey growing up. I wasn't right. into really hockey, like even watching it. But um, I took him to uh, a Pepsi um, reading goals game. So they're okay. like, they're, the Griffins offer a reading club. Basically, yep. you read three books in the summer and you get like a ticket to a hockey game. I brought him to that when he was like five and he fell in love with hockey. And my wife and father-in-law would have preferred him to play football because they're big Michigan football fans. Yeah. Um, but uh, he wanted nothing to do with football. He was like, I want to play hockey. And uh, that was that was actually before he went blind. And um, he uh, went blind when he was seven. So, If you don't mind, like, was that an accident that happened um, or something? Like so a- he, he actually had a shunt um, when he was born. He needed a shunt, which uh, the arachnoid cyst, it was – Spinal fluid that wasn't draining. Okay. And uh, they, for that problem, they'll install a, a tube that goes in your head and, and down to your abdomen that drains spinal fluid. Um, and uh, that can malfunction. And uh, it did. And that's what kind of led to the blindness. So I was going to um, say, it's amazing what science and medicine can do. We're working towards it. Right? You know, we're but meeting with doctors all the time. And there's, we have lots of good people in his, in his, uh, um, care group and um, we're hoping you know that eventually but he's definitely adapted well um well, it sounds re- like reads it, right? braille which um that's a superpower like i don't i don't know if you've ever tried to like look at the difference in the letters but i can't even tell the letters apart and he can read them like how long did it take him to learn that not that long it's so a, that's just incredible i mean i love i mean i not that i love hearing stories about that because that's you know it's hard and yeah. it's, i'm sure it's a lot of difficult times when you're going through something like that but hearing people overcome he definitely has like the whole hockey thing and so we're with the griffins youth foundation okay um so he started with them when he was um just before he went blind he started with them and uh um, that was in october then november um basically that's when it all happened in um 2017 and uh um Right after his surgeries, uh, which, you know, there was a bunch of them, he, he was like, I want to play hockey. What about hockey? And I'm like, uh, I don't know if he can play hockey. Doctor was like, he can play hockey if he wants to, like, because he's going to be in pads and stuff. And the Griffins, didn't, or the Griffins Youth Foundation didn't miss a beat. So they, they came up with a the, – there's actually blind hockey in Canada. It's big up there. Um, really? And well, uh, that's kind of where we, we found it. So um, – and – He's the only blind hockey player on the Youth Foundation, um, and uh, really proud of him. So, no, it's, that's a real cool yeah. story. What's his name? Trison. Trison. Yeah. Okay. So that's a cool story. Well, I'm glad to hear that he's choosing to overcome because it'd be really easy to choose to say, "What was me?" 
right? Yeah. I think it's a testament to you and your wife. And he's well. tough. He is such a tough kid. So yeah, um, absolutely. Thanks yeah. for sharing. That's yeah, thanks. So does it get personal, right? And like, yeah, hey. yeah. Who knows to these directions these podcasts right. go? So, is there anything that like maybe I should have asked you that I didn't ask, or anything you want to talk about? Yes, that's a great question. I mean, I like I, you and I talked a little bit before. I like hearing other people's stories. As far as my, eh, I appreciate getting a chance to share our story, my wife and I's story, and um, about her parents and brother and sister moving with us. That's a big part of our life, right? Uh, kind of changed the direction for us. Um, I mean, nothing real sp- specific. I mean, I think we're very involved in church we go to. And um, we think that's a valuable thing. And the friendships that we've developed from that help continue to direct our life where we're going. Um, I think one thing that is huge that is always good to mention is the importance of mentorship. I don't know about you. That'd be a good question back for you. But um, looking back on my life through sports, you know, through coaches um, and then early on in, in business and mentorship training systems that were I was a part of how much benefit I received from mentors in my yeah. life right so uh, I think encouraging people to, to have somebody else that you know people go to counselors now I guess but I guess I like the idea of a mentor a little bit better than a counselor who was it for you that, that was big that you would say these were these are the top I had so many of them, right? Like life. business yeah. mentors, even in the wireless world, I had um, guys that I looked up to that were were doing the business that I wanted to do, or uh, you know, they were willing to share with me like how they got there and share their stories, and became friends with them. Alex and Wally and Marvin, um, all the cell phone guys, and then. Yeah. Um, uh, the different, like once I got into real estate, um, Steve and Bill are the guys that I got into uh, real estate and kind of learned from them. And in different ways, they were just opposite leaders and um, learned something from all of them, right? And then uh, I have a client, kind of a funny story, kind of going back to that um, uh, East Town area. So Jim Rybaski, which he's not going to hear this, and he always asks why I don't mention him ever. Um, <laughs> but he is a client of mine, and what the crazy story is, um, so he was referred to me um, by his daughter, uh, who I helped them sell and buy a house, right? Okay. And uh, he um, had several houses. He was a big landlord. Um, he had homes in East Town. He owned the... Um, the house on the corner of Prospect and Fulton. It's a big green ca- mansion. It was originally like Alexander Campos, like property, right? Okay. So like a lot of Grand Rapids history there. Um, well, I helped him sell like a cottage in Spring Lake, like four rentals in Grand Rapids. And then he talks to me about this house on Fulton Street. And I'm like, wow, it's a 14 unit in Heritage Hill. Um, and he was like, you think I should put a fence around it? like a fence like no like you should not put a fence around that I'm like he's like well I think it would look nice and I'm like well if you do anything it's got to be like Mangiamo's or Gibson's right which is across the street from where I grew up and he's like how do you know that place I was like I grew up across the street from there he's like did you live in 1040 Lake Drive and I'm like how did you know that and he's like I was your parents' uh, land contract holder. So my parents actually ah. bought the house from this guy or tried to buy it, and they, we ended up losing the house back to him, uh, which is a crazy story. but um, Small world. Yeah, and to be reconnected with him 30 years later, right? Like, how, do you, how does that happen? Just and then to make sm- that connection, small world, too. Right? And um, I've learned a lot from him um, in – he was, I mean, I'm also a landlord. I have uh, uh, eight rental properties. We just bought a cottage cool. that we'll do some VRBO at. And uh, we own a house in Mackinac City, too. That, that is we different. Rent out. You, should, you should talk so, to me or Ryan. Yeah, yeah. About the VRBO stuff. Sure, so. yeah. Um, we'll get there. Um, yeah, and so it's so many mentors, right? And it's so important yeah. to let the people that have, 
that have had an impact on your life, let them know like that they have, right? Because um, people don't always realize that like how they help people. Right. So. Yeah. No, and you learn a lot of lessons that you don't even know. Right. Right. I have a mentor that (laughs) I was trying to get advice on buying a car. Right. And so I went to one guy and didn't quite get the answer I wanted. So I went to another friend, asked him, and I was like, okay. So I went to this third guy and asked him, and, you know, long story short, he he called me out on it. And he said, are you just looking for the answer you want? Do you just want somebody to validate what you want to do? Or are you actually asking for help, right, or asking for opinion on what we should do? Yeah. And, man, it called me out real quick, like, wow, I am. I'm just trying to find somebody that's going to validate what I really want to do. So... Why am I putting my mentor in that situation where I want him to answer what I want? Otherwise, I'm not going to listen. And I learned a lot that if I'm going to ask my mentor a question and seek their advice, I better be willing to really follow that advice and listen to it. Um, And I would say almost every time, we can't say every time, but almost every time when I follow the advice that a mentor gave me, it's been so much better. And I look back and go, I see why they said that. So, yeah, there's a lot of value to that. I I think, you know, even for me right like i i'm i know people are watching me and uh learning from me even when i'm not directly talking to them right you lead by example and you do things uh the right way or the way that um they should be done in in your opinion even when nobody's watching right so yeah um and uh it's uh valuable lessons right no absolutely people could just take one thing from that right and you kind of hope that when you go to you, you talk about continuing education that you've done for yourself. You go to seminars, events, listen to podcasts. A lot of times there's so many good bits and pieces of information that you can take and apply to your life. I'm always like, sometimes almost overwhelmed to where I just remind myself, okay, take one thing. If I could just take one thing from this conversation or if I can take one thing from this seminar and actually apply it. Yeah. I've gained a ton. Have you um, watched the Netflix uh, uh, Tony Robbins? I'm not your guru. No, you really should. Okay. So um, the, the whole message from that is you can learn something from anybody, even if it's what not to do, right? Mm. So, um, and then the question is, are you going to actually apply it? And do yeah, it? <laughs> right. That's that's a trick, right? So, yeah, absolutely. Um, so really appreciated you coming in today and sharing your story with us and um, talking with you about everything. And yeah, thank um, you for the invite. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime. So um, how could somebody get in touch with you? Oh yeah. Um, I think you could look up underwood insurance.com, right? Otherwise uh, they can reach me anytime. Our office 616-667-9250. If they want to check it out, Um, we're always happy to help text or email, whatever. Phone call, we'll help you out whenever. So awesome! I appreciate the invite, and uh, yeah, it's my first podcast, so it's fun to be part of. Cool. Well, it's uh, it's been a pleasure, Jeremy, and um, look forward to talking with you in the future. Absolutely. All right. Appreciate. It. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for watching this episode of the Small Talk Podcast with the Smalligan Real Estate Team. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and check out our earlier episodes.